from the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving, and storage studios, this is The Ramsey Show, where America hangs out to have a conversation about your life and your money. I'm George Campbell, joined today by best-selling author and fellow Ramsey personality, Christina Ellis. And we are taking your calls about life, money, budgeting, debt, credit scores, credit cards, how to get out of them. What to do instead? We are here for you, America. The number to call is 888-825-5225. That's 888-825-5225. You know, Christine, I got a lot of questions via Instagram. Ooh. And they're usually like, it starts like, hey, I got a question. And it's 17 paragraphs. So I want to let all of those people know, call into the show because it's yes. really hard it's like having a full-on conversation via text. It just takes too long. So call us up instead, and we can help you that way. It's a good call. Yes, and Gia has done that. We appreciate that. In Lincoln, Nebraska, starting us off, welcome to the show, Gia. Thanks so much, guys. How can we help today? So my husband and I are trying to find out. We are 25 and 30 years old. We don't have any debt besides our house. We have about $30,700 left. Um, and currently in the bank, we have somewhere around twenty-eight dollars to $29,000 um, in savings all combined. Um, all of that's just liquid cash. So we're trying to decide after our paychecks next month, um, we would have more than the 30, like we would have enough to pay off our house. So we're trying to decide, should we just go ahead and pay it off and be done and basically just put that extra money that we've been putting towards our house basically just paying ourselves back and replenishing that savings or should we just keep plugging away on the current plan that we have? Is the 30,000 that you have in the bank, is that your emergency fund or is that money separate from your emergency fund? That is emergency fund included. So we have um, the $1,000 emergency fund and then we have 18,000 for the three to six months. Okay. So my short answer is no. And the longer answer is no. And here's why. Murphy is going to be knocking at your door as soon as you pay that house off and the HVAC is going to go out and then you're going to be broke and have to go into debt to fix it. And so I don't like the idea of you guys draining your emergency fund in order to pay the house off. Now, I know where it's coming from. You guys are so excited and you see the numbers and you go, oh my gosh, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Is that what you're feeling? Um, It's a little bit of that. And it's also just a little bit like I looked at the insurance, like not the insurance, the interest that we're paying every month on the house and I'm like well we could just knock it off and then instead of putting that like the extra money that we've been putting towards the house and all of that we basically would give ourselves like a $2,300 pay raise in a sense because instead of that extra $2,300 just going to the principal every month um, it would just go back in our bank account without like without the without the interest payment on top of that. Well, I love that you're you're seeing that interest and you're going, man, I want to knock that out. Because a lot of people, you know, they go, ah, oh, that's not a whole lot. Like, let's just keep pushing off the mortgage. But the fact that you're seeing that and going, nah, we want to pay this off, that is great motivation. But as somebody who has had an HVAC and a transmission go out in the same month, I would definitely want to keep that emergency fund because like George said, Murphy will hit when you least expect him. And if you only have that $1,000 in your emergency fund, that's great when you're in baby step two. But when you can have that flexibility to have that emergency fund for those type of major issues, it's definitely a lot more comforting and keeps you a lot safer. Yeah. Gia, are you both working outside of the home? Is there two incomes? Yes. And are they stable? Yes, we have a double. Yes. Okay. Um, they are both stable. I'm a registered nurse, and then my husband works for a furniture company, and then actually within the next, 
So next year, starting in September, we're looking to actually send him back for HVAC and plumbing. Awesome. Uh, to go back to school. Well, we can split the difference here. What you could do is go down to a three-month level emergency fund and use the rest to pay off the house sooner. But that is as low as I would go since you both have stable incomes. So I would do the math on that and go, okay, what's three months of expenses to cover everything that we have in our budget? And whatever's left, we can use that plus our future income and savings to pay off the house in the next few months instead of, you know, six months or whatever it would have been. So how much faster would that get you guys completely debt free? Um, If you went down to three months. So eighteen, so it would be eighteen thousand added. So that'd probably take us like the next. We would be debt free probably in the next six months. But my job, I'm actually going from part time to full time, and I'm not a hundred percent sure what like my paychecks are going to be like completely because I you know get paid hourly and not salary. So um, probably more so like four or five. I know months. I'll be going. Yeah, so probably something more like that. I just don't know for sure. I haven't. Uh, been able to get the numbers concrete yet because I haven't gotten that first paycheck yet. Yeah. Well, just listen to that. You're 25 and 30 years old, and in four months, you have a fully paid for house. So you guys are just so driven, and I love that, but sometimes with people who are driven, like Christina and I are the same way, and we're like, we just want to see it gone. We'll do whatever it takes. That can cause us to make some poor decisions along the way. And so just have your eye on the prize four or five months from now, that mortgage is going to be gone and we're still going to have a fully funded emergency fund and have that financial piece. That's yeah, good stuff. That's going to feel so good. And I hope you all come to Nashville and see us. I want to hear you on this stage. I'm excited to hear more about your journey because the way you're motivated, the way you all have fought through this and the fact that you only have $30,000 left and you're 25 and 30, that's so exciting. So I want to hear more about this story and how you got there because yes. that's just awesome. And Christina, we've been seeing an awesome trend where we have people in their 20s and early 30s doing debt-free screams saying, we paid off our house. Yes. And a lot of those are what we call financial peace babies, meaning their parents went through financial peace and they raised their kids in such a way to give them good money principles and they latch onto this stuff so much earlier. And so we see people graduating college debt-free. I hear so many people that come visit us on the stage and they whisper, yeah, we actually sent all four kids to college debt-free because of you guys. And we're like, we did nothing. Yeah, or they're kids who went through foundations, our personal finance curriculum for high school students. I see a lot of students who, you know, they went through it in high school. They learned all the things that we wished we would have learned in high school. You know, when I talk to adults, they're constantly like, why didn't we learn about basic budgeting when we were in high school? Well, these kids are doing that, and then they're getting out of high school, and they're starting out the right way. They're getting that debt-free degree, and they're immediately putting together an emergency fund and paying off houses at like 21 and 22, which is it's incredible. incredible. And we also hear people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s going, Gosh, I wish I knew this stuff 20, 30 years ago. And the beautiful thing is, parents, you can give that to your children. And it is your responsibility to teach them these money principles because guess what? Culture is not. Social media is not. And what happens is they end up going hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt because we've taught these kids from a young age, get good grades so you can go to this college of your dreams, no matter the cost. And we, oh. by the way, we haven't saved a penny for it because we're broke as parents and then they walk out of college with hundreds of thousands in debt going, Wait, we were lied to. You guys said mm. this was the path to the best life. Yeah. And here we are feeling screwed. It's painful to see that, but we see that every day. And so even if you're not a parent, if you're just a mentor, if you're somebody in a church who works with young people, have those money conversations. I know they can be kind of awkward, but invest in young people and yes. have those. Have it early and often and make them listen to The Ramsey Show at 13 and they will hate you now and they will love you later. And that's parenting, isn't it? 
Hey, more of your calls coming up. Give us a call, 888-825-5225. This is The Ramsey Show. joined by Christina Ellis today. This is The Ramsey Show. Give us a call, 888-825-5225. Cody joins us up next in Denver. Cody, welcome to The Ramsey Show. Hey, George and Christina. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. Absolutely. How can we help? Hey, um, so I have a HSA, and I recently discovered that the one that my employer provides it comes with the option of investing it in uh, various funds, just like a retirement, a 401k. Um, included in those are mutual funds. And I was just wondering, would that be wise to do, or should I just treat the HSA as a savings account? It is absolutely wise to do. I love that. Now, it depends on where you're at in your financial journey. So uh, do you know the baby steps? Where are you, where are you at in that? Do you have debt? I guess I'm on baby step seven. Oh, awesome. You got a paid-for house. Um, oh, I do. As Way to of go. Last week. That's awesome, man. How old are you? 32. And what's wow. your house worth? Uh, 350, 400. You are a rock star, man. Way to go. So, Thank you. As far as the HSA, yes. So once you're past a certain threshold in that account, for ours here at Ramsey, I have an HSA with the high-deductible health care plan. So my threshold is once you have over $1,000, you can invest money beyond that. And so do you have that already in your HSA? How much is in there? Yeah, there's uh, just over 1000 and I think 1000 is the threshold as well in that plan. Perfect. Yes, yeah, so you can go in there and select investments. If you need help with that, of course, you can reach out to a SmartVestor Pro. And depending on what's in there, you can match what you're investing in your 401k and do those same mutual funds and just make sure they're diver- diversified across the four types that we teach. Okay, so use the same exact investing principles. Yes. And something Dave Ramsey does himself is he invests in his HSA, but he uses his own money to cover his health expenses and just lets that money grow. And so it becomes okay. a second kind of retirement and investing vehicle that you can use later in life. Because as we know, your health expenses go way up later in life. Sounds great. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, and you're Absolutely. just a rock star. I love that. Are you coming in to do your debt-free scream? I would love to, but I actually just moved away from uh, Tennessee so that I could oh. kind of get into this situation. <laughs> well, hey, we are cheering you on from here. That's amazing. Yes, way to go, Cody. Christina, this is only perpetuating this beautiful theme of young people doing amazing things with money. Right. 32, paid off house. That is incredible. Living the dream, Cody. Yeah. Love to see that. And the HSA, is it's a great point for all of our listeners out there that it is a great investment vehicle. So not only can you 
put in money tax-free. It grows tax-free. You can withdraw it tax-free for qualified medical expenses, but there's also the investment side of it too. Mm -hmm. And I love the strategy you were saying with Dave, where he will pay for the expenses separately to let that build up. This is my first year at Ramsey and getting to do the HSA, which that's such a great strategy because I've had, I've looked at it and been like, man, I want this to pile up so that when I'm older, it's a lot bigger of an investment, but that's a great strategy. I love that. It's something you can do. Once you get to that baby step seven side, you can really go hog wild. Otherwise, it's good to have up to your your deductible in the HSA, mm-hmm. your out-of-pocket maximum. Yep. So that way you have, if it's 7,500 bucks, it's good to have that level in there once you're past, you know, your baby step three and you want to start really covering your family and protecting yourselves. That's a great thing to do. So look into that. I know it's not fun digging into your like health insurance fine print, but right. it's super helpful to know that you're covered. Yeah, it is super helpful. And it just it's good to just be on top of it. It's been interesting. I was sick recently and having a high deductible plan, it really makes you evaluate your expenses a lot more. It makes you go, hmm, do I want that extra test? Do I want that extra thing? (laughs) We had a call just the other day with someone going, I got billed for all these tests and so I asked for an itemized and now he's fighting it. So always make sure you know the healthcare services you're getting and verify them. Because when you ask for the itemized bill, all of a sudden it's a lot lower because they went, oh gosh, this person's paying attention to the yes. $90 Advil we gave them. Right? Well, in, in medical debt, that's one of the top debts in America. So it is important to be really on top of what you're being charged for and being proactive and looking at those line items because a lot of times they do just assume you're going to pay for everything. Or if you have a really great insurance plan, maybe they do pay for everything. But if you're somebody with an HSA, with a high deductible plan, you really want to pay attention to those line items. Oh, yeah. And medical debt is one of the most frustrating because it's the only debt you don't really choose to go in. Right. There's not like a glamorous cool thing you get to hold at the end of it yes so i have a lot more empathy for that that side and the good thing is a lot of the times you can negotiate medical bills if they've been sitting out for a while especially if they're in collections which i don't recommend you send them to collections just negotiate them pay them but you can also negotiate with billing and get on payment plans if you're struggling. And so there's a lot of financial aid in that healthcare space, but it is a screwed up system. We can all agree on that. Well, and it's important too just to have an advocate with you when you are going through something major in medical, you're overwhelmed. Like that's a lot. And when you're feeling like your health is struggling, the last thing you're really thinking about is well, how much am I going to be charged for this? So- or I got to call billing and be on a phone tree for the next 28 minutes. Right. Exactly. So if you're going through something, it is really helpful to have somebody in your corner who's willing to advocate to have those conversations and kind of stay on top of the money side of things so you don't get through that major health episode and go, oh man, what is all this? I didn't see it coming. And you're paying for it for months and months. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Let's go back to the phones. John joins us in Anaheim, California. John, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. How are you? Pretty good. Um, So I'm kind of like confused. Um, in the situation I'm in. So I'm going to go back six months. Uh, six months ago, me and my girlfriend are living at my parents' house. And the plan is to stay there and start a family there since my parents are in their late 60s. My mom doesn't work. She gets, gets Social Security. And my dad doesn't work because he's disabled. So the plan is is for us to start a life there and help out dad and in case they need help for anything. Uh Four months ago, my father actually passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. But now, yeah, thank you. Well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So I'm living there with my parents. I have a brother and a sister. They both live outside of the city. And in the future, the plan is, is for us three to split the house, like an inheritance, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, my father passed away. My mom cannot afford the mortgage, so I'm going to take over the mortgage. 
So I want to know what's the best way, I guess, to handle things in the end, to be fair with, I guess, me, because I'm taking over the mortgage, and also fair to my brother and sister, since they were also going to get that inheritance. What's left on the mortgage? 250000 mm-hmm. What's your relationship like with your brother and sister? Is it pretty... Uh, it's, a great, it's a great relationship. Like That's why um, I want something to be fair, you know, because in the way I was, like, me and my mom were thinking, well, what if in the end you guys just split what the house is worth, like what you need to pay right now? Like, instead of what the house is worth at the end, you guys, I guess, you give them the money that's worth right now. Or... I was thinking, what if at the end, if by doing the selling it, let's say in 40 years, I take 50% and then they split the other 50%. What is the house worth right now? The house right now is worth, I believe, 850000 Okay. So there's about 600 in equity if you owe two fifty. Right. So here's one way to do it, and this all involves a conversation and everyone agreeing. But what you could do is say, hey, there's 250 left on the mortgage. So when we do sell this thing and it becomes all of ours, you would owe your portion of that 250. So you'd subtract that from whatever the profits of the home were. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. So 250 divi- you said there's two other siblings? Right, right, right. So it's uh three of us. Okay. So let's say the home you you sell the home years from now and it's worth 900. Right. And you split it three ways. That would be 300 each if it's paid for, right? Right. But right. since you paid that mortgage over those years and hopefully paid it off early, they would subtract right. 83 because that's their portion of the mortgage that was left. Okay. And that's you may one want, option. And you may want to get with an estate attorney just to talk this through to make sure everything is clear because it can get a little bit sticky, especially in the future when your mom does pass. You just want to make sure that everything is really clearly lined out, especially if you're paying for that mortgage for the next several years. You just want to make sure that everything is on paper, even though it's family, even though no handshake agreements here. Right. Because we don't want these to turn into broken relationships because of this inheritance, which we see all too often. So have the conversation, do what's fair that you all agree on, and uh, deal with that when the time comes. But talk about it now and have a game plan. Thanks so much for calling in. This is The Ramsey Show. Most break-ins happen when your home is the most vulnerable in the middle of the day when no one is home. So I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. They're the best at what they do, protecting your whole home. Their award-winning system is backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day, half the cost of traditional home security. And my listeners get 20% off their system when they sign up for Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafedirect.com. There's no safe like Simply Safe. It is no secret that we love talking money around here, but we know not everyone feels that way. And that's why Rachel Cruz and I started thinking about what it would be like to talk money for those who'd rather just have some fun. So last week, we launched a new Ramsey podcast called Smart Money Happy Hour, where Rachel and I dig into the stuff you and your friends would talk about at your weekly happy hour with a little bit of a money slant. 
So we're talking pop culture, what's going on in the world, and how to afford a life you love. This is fun, casual money advice that will make you feel less stressed and more in control of your money. Plus, there's some hilarious moments there, Christina, if you've listened. I don't I don't know that you have, but yes. we've been having a great time, and people have been telling me they are talking to us, like in the car, where they're, list- they're talking to us, they're engaging in the conversation, which makes me feel real good. And there's always a takeaway, you learn something in there, and so it's been a lot of fun to see the feedback. We've been hanging out in the top 20 of all podcasts for a week so straight. So impressive. And I love it because it's just, that is genuinely who y'all are. Like, it is really like having had a happy hour with y'all. It is like who you are yes. in real life. Like, I could see people talking in the car to y'all because that's just hanging out it's, with your friends. It's our most authentic self. Yep. And so we, we sometimes have a mocktail or a cocktail in hand and just to create a casual environment. And we've got three episodes, one ju- a new one just released today. So we started with, is convenience culture worth being broke, hitting all the trends out there with Amazon and Google? And we then went into the TV network that brainwashed us all. Spoiler alert, it's HGTV. And just today we released, how rich is the royal family and how to build your financial empire? Ooh. This was a fascinating one. We dig into exactly what their estate is made up of, what kind of income it creates for them, how they have passed this all on, what's going on with the will. I mean, it is mind-blowing stuff. Oh, man. Regardless of how you feel about the royal family, which I didn't know much about them. Rachel follows it, you know, like it's a reality show. Uh, I'm with her. It's like keeping up with the Kardashians (laughs) and then keeping up with the royal family. So I learned a lot, and we also talk about how to leave your own legacy for your family, how to build wealth what net worth really means. And so there's some really cool takeaways in there. And uh, the best part is hearing Rachel's British accent. Oh, Which man. I think I said in the podcast was offensive to all people groups. Oh. But it got better. We did some training behind the scenes. And so I think we included that at the end for your listening pleasure. Oh, I'm so, so thank you all so much for the feedback so far. You can go subscribe, follow Smart Money Happy Hour wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, it's also on YouTube, just the audio. We'll have video. A lot of people have been asking for that. We've yes. posted some clips to social media, but video is coming for season two. I loved your clip when uh, when Rachel said she had a, what was it, a droid? A droid. <laughs> your face was oh priceless. And the Android users, they're like bots in the comments. They're so angry at me for being an Apple. F- Listen, I worked at the Apple store. And one guy even said he has an, a haircut like an Apple guy. I was like, I didn't know we had oh. certain haircuts. Whoa. I don't know. I guess we're all just like that hipster. We take care of ourselves. You know, we shower daily. Get Sorry, droid users. Get get on it. But uh, we have a good time, uh, even if we rib each other on, on that show. So don't miss out. Every Thursday, we've got a new episode for you. The next one is on Disney and what? Disney adults and Disney trauma. And are they pricing out the middle class? It is. We're just stepping oh. stepping on eggshells here. Walking on them because there's a lot of Disney fans out there. Yeah. And I, ru- I might ruffle some fre- some feathers in that episode. There's a lot of Disney fans in this building. Yes. There was one in the room and she oh. shared her, her thoughts as well. So Hey, and just to brag on you guys, George, it's number one in Apple business charts wow. on the podcast. It's number 19 overall for all podcasts on Apple. It's number one in Spotify business. So you guys are crushing That's it. amazing. Well, thank you, Producer James, for pulling the numbers just so people don't think I'm making this up. <laughs> And it's no credit to me. Uh, the team has done an amazing job with this from the design to the recording to the editing to the marketing. It's been so fun to work with our incredible team of talented folks. And me and Rachel just, you know, we yak and they put it out there. So go check it out. Let me know what you think, good or bad, because I know you're going to do it anyways. Uh, so might as well encourage it. So there you go. Smart Money Happy Hour. Go check it out. 
All right, open phones this hour, 888-825-5225. Mark joins us up next in Springfield, Missouri. Mark, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, how you doing, George and Christina? Doing great. How can we help? All right. For, well, first off, I want to say uh, grown-ups use Android and little kids use iPhone. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you why, Mark. But, um, Before we get into your question, it's because Apple makes an intuitive device that even children can use. And if to use a droid, you have to be a software engineer to figure that thing out. So there you go. That's my hot take. All right. But anyway, my question uh, today is I started my own business about 17 months ago, and I'm in baby step two. And I was wondering if I'm a a veteran, retired military, and I was wondering if I should use my GI Bill to go back to school for, like, business administration or something like that to, to get some extra income because as, you know, with the GI Bill, I will get paid to go to school. So I was wondering if I should do that to get extra income to help with baby step two or if I should just focus on building my business. Mm. What kind of business do you have right now? Uh, pet waste management. I'm a pooper scooper. <laughs> oh, how's it going? Are you making good money doing this? Uh, yeah, right now I'm making about 1200 a week before taxes. Way to go. Yeah. And is this like in your neighborhood? How have you been marketing this thing? Uh, well, I'm in the entire Springfield metropolitan area, so there's uh, all of all of Springfield, Missouri, and then like five other cities that are fairly decent sized. You know, around ten thousand or more people. Way to so. go, man! That's and awesome. thank you for your sacrifice as well. Yeah, you're a hero. Hey, if you go back to school, how much do you anticipate it'll increase your income? Um, I think I'm, I'm not positive, but I, I think it'll be about a thousand dollars a month. Extra a month. And that's yeah, strictly through. They pay like a housing allowance thing. Okay. Um, and that's okay. So the housing allowance is what you're counting on. Do you want to go back to school? Is that something you're desiring outside of the financial aspect? Not really. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I, well, the way, the way I am right now is I know how to do my job, but it's getting more business oriented and I'm not sure how to handle all of that. I'm, I'm doing my best, but I'm not great at it. Are so you I solo right now? If I went, do what? Are you solo, or do you have yes, a team? Sir. Okay. Would you? Are you looking yeah, to expand? Uh, eventually, yeah. Okay. You have not you right hire now, a few though. people so you can have them in different areas and not have it all be on you. Yes. Well, a thousand dollars a month for the GI Bill. I mean, I think you can make another thousand dollars a month in your business. And like George said, expand. You could bring on someone who is good at business, who could help you with some of the administrative part of it. And you could focus more on growing and doing what you do. So that's kind of one side of things. And then you could also go back to school. If that's something you really desire. Of course, it's great to gain business skills, but I would want you to do it because you really want to do it and you want to gain those skills versus just getting an extra thousand dollars a month. Yeah, that's well, what I was looking at was, you know, I'd get the extra thousand and I'd get the business, you know, it, like knowledge, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, school's never been my cup of tea, but if it's something that I could do to help, you know, my business and help me through baby step two, then, you know, I'd be willing to do it type of thing. Yeah. How long is it going to take you to get this business degree? Are you looking at a four year program? Yeah, it was, I, I was looking at on uh, uh, one of the online universities, and it was a four-year program. And do you think you can maintain your business currently at $1,200 a week um, while going to school? Uh, absolutely. At the, at where I'm at right now, I'm I'm not even working a full week yet. So Okay. Wow. 
That's pretty awesome. So you think you can still keep growing your business and expanding and making that money while going to school? Yeah, because I'm, I'm working about 28 hours a week right now. Okay. This is impressive. Yeah. You, you've built a, a cool business here that is it seems sustainable, especially if you get a team around you to scale this thing to where you can make even more and while working even less. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. if you have the motivation right now to go back to school and it's paid for and you think you can maintain the business at the same time... I mean, I don't see any loss in that. Yeah. And this extra $1,000, is it? does it have to be any kind of qualified expenses, or are they just writing you a check uh, every month? They, they just give you a check every month. Wow. You have to go You have to go to school for a certain amount of time, like, like you know, a certain Enough amount of hours. hours each. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Full time. I would do it, man. Uh, I mean, I would do it, but I'd also want you to really be invested in the education and not just for the paycheck. So, you know, search your heart there, and if it feels right, go for it. Either way, you're succeeding, and I'm proud of you. So yeah. thank you for your service, and congrats on the business. Who knew? Past weight management. Hey, Pet somebody's got to do it. That's I awesome. Know. This is like Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Yeah. With our friend, uh, our friend on the line here. Thank you so much for the call, Mark. This is The Ramsey Show. George Camel, she's Christina Ellis. This is the Ramsey Show. Our question of the day comes from Blinds.com. Their 100% satisfaction guarantee means even if you mismeasure or pick the wrong color, they will remake your blinds for free. You get free samples, free shipping, and with the new promos they run every month, you'll save even more. Use promo code Ramsey to get the best deal. Today's question comes from Rhonda in Ohio. I was wondering how you feel about applying for FAFSA. Is it worth the time if you think your income is too much and you won't take out student loans? I absolutely think that you should apply for the FAFSA. The fact that you're even asking this question means that your income is probably on the line where it's close enough that you likely could qualify and it's worth the shot of at least checking to see there are no income limits so you can apply for the FAFSA no matter who you are and it literally takes less than an hour I think a lot of people feel really intimidated by it they think that it's going to be you know hours and hours and hours of work but it's they continually simplify it so it's getting a lot easier to do and it's worth checking plus even if you don't get a lot of financial aid you don't get a lot of need-based aid at your school some scholarships actually require the FAFSA, even if you have a high income. So, um, for example, the Tennessee Promise, they require you to submit the FAFSA. It's a two-year scholarship for students in Tennessee, and everybody's eligible for the Tennessee Promise with certain certain parameters, but financially, everybody's eligible, but you still have to fill out the FAFSA, so you might as well apply Plus, the sooner you apply to when the FAFSA opens up, the more likely you're going to receive aid. So you don't want to wait until April and go, oh, man, I just found a scholarship that requires me to apply for the FAFSA. Then you apply then and realize, oh, wow, I could have had so much aid if I would have applied back in October. So give it a shot. It doesn't take a lot of time. Plus, they're making some changes on it in the 24-25 school year that will make it even quicker. You're going to be able to sync with the IRS website and just transfer your tax information over even even quicker than what they allow right now. Right now you have to go out into a data retrieval tool and then come back. Soon it's just going to be synced together, which is pretty awesome. Makes it just a lot easier and less intimidating for people. Wow. The government is like a Baptist church. They eventually (laughs) get 
get on the trends. It just takes them a little longer. It you takes know? a bit. That's great. Well, look at it this way. If it takes an hour to fill out the FAFSA, then you make $100 in scholarships even. That's $100 an hour you just made. Right. So don't poo-poo this. Don't put it aside. I'm reading a stat here. 57% of high school graduates from the class of 21 completed the FAFSA. So those that did not, they missed out on this. $3.75 billion in Pell Grants went unclaimed Ooh. in 21. Ouch. Well, and Money just sitting out there. Money just sitting out there. And some people might say, oh, my family didn't qualify for a lot of need. We only got a thousand bucks and financial need. And it's like, that's a thousand dollars for one have. hour of work. Yes. So, yeah. This Good. is big. And I remember when we did this, uh, we, we were gifted so graciously inside of the FAFSA with loans. Mm. And so do not fall for this. Part of this is they say, hey, part of this financial aid package is a bunch of these unsubsidized loans, subsidized loans, plus loans. If it has the word loan on it, it's not a gift. You have to pay that back. So I'm only taking the financial aid that is actually free money. 100%. That's such an important point. I was actually just at a college counselor's conference last week, and they were saying that around 50% of families couldn't identify the difference between a loan and gift aid in the financial aid package when they were reading the award Yikes. letters. And it's like, that's, there. yeah, that's a lot of people looking at those loans and thinking, ooh, I got gifted money. And it's not free money. So it is important to be able to, to distinguish the difference. And that's part of the reason I had $36,000 of student loan debt Ouch. when I graduated. And I didn't really understand at 18. I just thought my parents are loaded because they're just going, yeah, well, we got this. Don't worry about it, buddy. And I realized, oh, they just like co-signed a bunch of loans for me. Yeah. And I got to pay these back now. And so you are the opposite side of that, getting half a million dollars in scholarships because you were very intentional and strategic and had the conversation early with your mom. And so this is what to do and what not to do with me and Christine on the air today. But man, I have so many friends in that situation. That's why I wanted to dive into this space is because I've had so many friends that went, you know, I have responsible adults telling me it's okay to take out $50,000 in loans or $100,000 in loans. Why didn't somebody stop me and say, hey, there's a different way. You don't have to go into debt. This is what it will mean in the long run. And so I just think it's so important to have those conversations. And I'm so passionate about this space because we have to create this conversation with young people and help them avoid it. Yes, and it starts with you parents. And an easy way to do this, because I know it's awkward to talk to your kids about this, because you have your own shame and baggage when it comes to your money mistakes, and so you feel uncomfortable talking to your kid about this. A really easy way to start the conversation is to just sit down with them and watch Borrowed Future. This is our feature film documentary. It's 88 minutes long. It's entertaining. So if you're a teenager, you are going to be hooked, and your eyes are going to be like popping out of your head going, wait, what now? I had no idea Sally Mae was in it with the government, and this is how this thing got out of control, and I had no idea that this is how much people actually make when they get out of college versus how much loans they have. So it's a great way to spark a conversation. Yeah, it's such a good way. It's it's one thing to like just talk at kids and say numbers, and they're like, blah, boring, but to have like a visual, to see a doctor in tears in the documentary because you know he took out a million dollars in loans. That moment is seared in my <sighs> memory. It is worth watching just for the orthodontist. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's inspiring. It's heartbreaking. Christina's stories woven in there. So go to borrowedfuture.com. You can watch it uh, this weekend with the kiddos. Yeah. And maybe you incentivize them. Say, hey, we'll go to your favorite restaurant if you're willing to watch this with me. Because I know as a teenager, like, what are you doing, Mom? I don't <laughs> want to watch anything you want to watch. You're lame. But it's, it's good stuff. All right. Logan joins us up next in Asheville. Logan, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for connecting with me today. Sure. What's up? Yeah, so quick question for you. So I'm in baby step two, 
should be done by the end of the year, all that's left is student loans. And so uh, I'm a hustler by nature. So I've got a full-time day job. I, I work in full-time ministry, but I'm also renting my vehicle out on Toro, which is basically Airbnb for your car. Um, and so with that, my car has been just rented out all the time. And so I had a friend sell me a, a really old forerunner um, that I really like personally. I like driving that more. And so I'm considering now selling the vehicle that I have put on Toro. Now, keep in mind, all of these cars are paid off. Uh, I don't owe anything on them. Uh, but I just feel like right now I could probably get more. So the, the car that I'm renting out is a 2015 Crosstrek. Uh, about a, just north of 100,000 miles on it. Kelly Blue Book has it at roughly 15,000 right now, um, which is private sale. And so in my head, the value for this vehicle on the app will only start to, to tick downwards as the car gets older, as um, the miles add up. And so I'm just considering selling it now, um, getting out of Toro and just driving uh, that, that 99 Forerunner and then having my wife's car and uh, just going about that. So I'm just looking for some advice. Yeah, how much debt do you have left? I have about 30000 Um We've paid off just about sixty at this point, and all that's left is student loans. Way to go. Right. So this is going to cut your debt in half and speed up the yeah. process by half. So how much further? Right. Let's say you sell the car. How many more months to pay off the rest of the fifteen? Uh, I could I could probably do that within three to four months. Um just, again, trying to sell stuff, working odd jobs. You're talking um, five right grand now, a month just at the debt, even without doing Turo. Right. Well, we so we, we've also had a child, so I still have that slush fund. We pressed pause on Baby Step 2 while my wife was pregnant and uh, gave birth to our kiddo. And now she's healthy, she's good, so we have extra to where ah, I can take it down. So how much do you have out. in the bank? Uh, just about fifteen. Oh, wow. So you could almost be completely debt-free tomorrow. Right. I like that plan. Now, also, so I'm making roughly 1000 to 1200 a month with Toro, and so I do like the idea of keeping it going, but I could I also see just the the quicker play of, of getting um, getting rid of the car, making that money now, finishing baby step two, maybe somewhat into baby step three, and um, yeah, so I'm just... Yeah, if I'm you, it. I want freedom faster. And if you want to get back into Turo and buy a, a cheap car just to do that with, that's on you if you want to do that. But mm-hmm. I like the idea of in the next 30 days, you got a new baby, let's be completely debt-free, let's then stock up that three to six months emergency fund in the next three or four or five months, and now we're in a really different place financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you said you're a hustler, so it's like, I think you're going to get there quick. With knocking this debt out, you're going to be able to get that emergency fund built out and just be in such a comfortable spot. Yeah, and you're willing to drive the, the Beater 4 Runner versus the sweet Crosstrek. I'm doing it, man. Anytime someone's willing to sell the car, even though you're not in debt on it, this is going to speed up the financial process for you through the baby steps. So. Well, and just make sure you keep a, on the four, on the horizon, you know, that it is a 99 4 Runner. You may have you're some... You're going to have to upgrade. Right. Yep. Expenses on that. Good call. That puts this hour of The Ramsey Show in the books. Have you been inspired to make a change with your money? Want to know where to start? Take our three-minute money quiz to get a plan you can follow. Go to RamseySolutions.com and search for Get Started to get a plan for your money.